Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, wherever you're listening from today, uh, take a second to hit the subscribe button. Uh, we put out interviews uh, multiple times every week, uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound. And we'd love to keep you up to date on all of those. Uh, you can subscribe whether you're listening to YouTube, to Spotify, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, really, wherever you're listening from right now, hit that subscribe button. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a special trio episode today. Going to be talking to the bands Hopalong, Wyoke, and Middle Kids, all three who put some of my favorite records out of the past year. Now, later on, I'll catch up with Wyoke's Jen Wasner to talk about The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. After that, it's the Middle Kids and their record, Lost Friends. But we're going to start out with the band Hopalong. I caught up with Francis Quinlan to talk about their LP, Bark Your Head Off, Dog. Uh, the loose theme that kind of runs through it about uh, the abuse some men in power are capable of and how she found her own power. Getting us started here, it's Kyle Meredith with Hopalong. Hi, this is Francis 
I will try not to gush too much because uh, you've got my favorite record of the year right now. I'm just, uh, I'm, I've been blown away. Wow, by it. thank you. Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much. We can't wait to come play. I know. It's so uh, Saturday, June 23rd at Zanzibar. You're going to be back here in Louisville. It's going to be great to have you. Um, but bark your head off. Uh, let's start with the beginning of the record because I feel like the album starts like I've just stumbled into a thought or an in progress conversation. It's such a cool way to do it. Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, the, the the sequencing is always really a long process of, you know, we, we go back and forth with each other and just talk about how we want the album to feel throughout. But I definitely, you know, I, I very strongly am into the idea of it being a, a progression of a thought. Yeah, like, I, I really like that you worded it that way. Cause it's, yeah, it, it is. You just walk in on it and, and suddenly it's like, no, wait, I think the track skipped. Did I miss something? No, it's it's just there. This is where we start. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we all felt felt pretty pretty solid about that, about starting with um, How Simple. I, I like that, you know, it just kicks right into it. And it's, I mean, it's such a huge song. I, I guess I, I, read, I read that this was originally written for a movie that didn't happen or the, or the song didn't happen for the movie or some version of that. Yeah, I mean, we were given, basically, we didn't, you know, we were still in the middle of jamming, I guess, and, and um, you know, putting some pieces together like ideas and then we were approached to do a film with two unreleased tracks but we didn't have any so it kind of just kick-started us right away into putting a whole song together uh but the guidelines were very very loose i just when i was working on the lyrics i, I knew i wanted it to feel a little more accessible than some of the overtly personal and visual material uh, that well, i tend to make sometimes <laughs> well i compliment you on the lyrics too how simple how simple my heart can be I kept rolling that over in my mind, and I thought it's it's as true as it is a lie, probably you know for the characters in this song. Yeah, I mean, I you know it's it's I think it's just in reference to the embarrassment of uh, being vulnerable to somebody else and having it go wrong. The bigger themes in this, as I read in a lot of the interviews, and and you know, apologies for any uh, well-worn tracks here. Man's misuse of power, I feel like, is what I keep seeing over and and over, which is a really interesting way to phrase that too because I thought, you know, that's not just Trumpian, that's that's near biblical. How how much in focus is that theme for this record? I mean, it pervades history. It's uh it's kind of impossible to ignore, I think. But uh I I didn't want to, you know, I tried to keep that character, you know, as anonymous as possible, you know, the the men of those songs I, I didn't really want them to become a focus because in a way it's just they happen to be in power and I really was thinking a lot about just my inability or perhaps even reluctance to access my own power and the frustration and anger at that, at having believed in, in a falsehood for so long and, and kind of coming to that realization and making so many mistakes based on that, you know, belief of that falsehood. You found confidence, I guess, in the face of like the ugliest monsters we've seen in a while, terrorizing the playing field. It's, it's almost movie-like in, in that sense. Well, um, it's nice to hear that it sounds confident. <laughs> I've read about you feeling like you found your voice or a voice that you were at least comfortable with and, 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 to, and to write about the themes that you were writing about. I think that's what I mean by the confidence part. You know, it's the, it's the pushback and with, with all the stuff happening out there, it, it also sort of feels like we're in a great awakening, you know, whether it's the, the, the teenagers in Florida or, or a record like this. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Um, I certainly hope we are. I hope we're awakening to something. I mean, you know, a, a lot of ugliness, there's been ugliness throughout history. That's um, absolutely certain. But we're we're certainly seeing more of it than we ever have. And it seems like people are reacting. Well, you know, I mentioned, we've mentioned biblical a few times. And I want to bring up that song, Not Able, which seems like an easy target for that. Not so much on the lyrics, though, which, which are great, but uh, the music, because... 
I had those moments where, you know, if you see people at a rave, and I guess it's when the bass drops or whatever, and they just start jumping around, like, cheering and everything. And I had a few of those moments during this song. Because... Oh, that's great. I love that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you start out, it's almost like old English folk guitar is going on at the beginning. And then that electric comes in, and the whole world changes. There's even a fade-out in this song, which you don't hear anymore. The fade-out's a wonderful tool for people that don't really know how to end songs, like myself, you know? But there's a lot No, I love the fade-out. It's very yeah. classic. Yeah, how did because that it sounds like maybe that was possibly like a few songs coming together. How did you write that song? How did you guys put that song together? Um, that song is kind of a, an interesting. I don't want to say a mess, but you know, it's not chronologically written the way that would think it would be. The ending kind of came about first. That was from something we'd been jamming together in um, actually back in twenty, I guess, uh, sixteen in March. Uh, we we you know had been playing that progression, and then. The first half came around later, uh, and the lyrics came around a, a, a bit later, too. I'd been reading this book for a while um, called uh, Time for Everything by Karlova Kanaskar, this um, Norwegian author. That struck me pretty uh, pretty majorly, and uh, I guess the lyrics kind of came around. It's so tough, but, you know, I can never really say when the lyrics come around because it's not as though they're written on top of the music. They, they happen in tandem, but uh, a lot of stuff can change at the very last minute we knew that that song would need to be in two pieces just because you know we didn't want to give up the feeling of the end but it did it you know it did melodically fit with the beginning and i liked the idea of having you know kind of a waltz turn into a, a dance like a, a contemporary dance i guess i mean there's a there's a lot going on in, in many of these songs and the fact that you're sort of self-producing it's 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 really uh, surprising that some of it doesn't end up a garbled mess <laughs> Because of all the oh, things well, we're that are happening. Really, we're so fortunate to have an excellent producer slash engineer in our band, which is Joe. I mean, Joe produced Get Disowned and engineered it, and he's done a number of uh, of records since then, like many, many records. So he's plenty of experience under his belt. So we didn't have anything to worry about in that regard, which, you know, again, we're very fortunate to have that resource. And the studio they have is great. Headroom is just a, an excellent place to make a record. I'll bring up another song with um, one that suits me, uh, a cheerleading chant that I, I think I would love to hear a high school squad actually do. That would be great. <laughs> I hope that maybe we get them to come to a show. Where, where did that idea come from, if there's a specific spot? Honestly, I, I won't lie. I was inspired by, um, there's a song called Blood Flow by Smog, mm-hmm. and he's got these cheerleaders on it, and it's, I don't know, I love that song. And that, you know, I didn't really intend that for one that suits me, but, you know, you spend enough hours in the studio and you just start to have all sorts of weird ideas, and that was one of them. I think I was standing behind Mark, and I just started chanting, and he's like, that's pretty cool. The refrain in that song, I am for peace, one that suits me, does that come from anything as well? I was, re- somebody said, you know, it was like a general said it, like, I am for peace, of course I'm for peace, or something like that. I was reading about World War One in the in the library because Joe got me into this podcast called Hardcore History. We were on tour a couple of years back, um, and Joe had been listening to this series about World War One, and I just got totally wrapped up in it. And um, I mean, of course, I'm not going to at all say that I'm in any way an expert. I love the way it comes out. Uh, and seriously, I, I, I can't give you enough compliments on this because I'm so in love with this record and, and the way it's done. Um, there's so many surprises and turns in the best way in, in every single one of the songs. I really think you guys outdid yourself. Thank you. I, I, I'm really proud of it. It's weird to um, come as close to saying what I think we meant to say. It, it's a new feeling. I mean, I'm kind of used to the feeling of like making peace with an album, but I'm really, I, I think we 
this something that um we we never have before and i'm really proud of it well uh i'm happy to to keep listening to it too and i'm excited to see you all again in louisville i thank you francis for giving me the call today thank you so much i, I really appreciate it i hope to see you at the show then yeah that'll I'll be, be great there. take care all right you too thank you bye bye hey thanks to francis quinlan of the band hop along again talking about that record bark your head off dog Moving on to part two, Wyoke's Jen Wasner. Wyoke released a record uh, in the past year called The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. We dive in to talk about some of the songs on the record, also how touring with a third member of Wyoke has changed the dynamics of the band and the fact that she used upwards of 30 alternate tunings with all of this. It's seriously impressive. Kyle Meredith with Wyoke. Hi, this is Jen from Wyoke. You just got back from, uh, was it European tour, right? Well, we were on tour in Europe for a few weeks, and we've been on tour. Uh, that sort of uh, segued directly into a, a tour of the States that we've been on for the past two weeks or so. And um, we're about to wrap that up. Actually, I think Louisville is the final date on this run of the, of the U.S. tour. Oh, that calls for a party here. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you've been um, touring with a, a third member, right? Yes, we have for the first time ever. Yeah, how how does that change? Ha, well, I should say, has that changed the dynamics in a noticeable way for you on stage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you play for ten years with only two members, you really feel the addition of not only just another warm body sharing the stage with you, but just expands what we're capable of accomplishing musically uh, so much. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure, honestly. Um, we're just, we're just, we've gotten so accustomed to being a duo that um, it, in a lot of ways it feels like a totally new band. Now, does this allow you to s- sort of echo what you guys have done in the studio with the songs more, or are you finding that you're taking the songs to, to, to different places? Well, we wanted to we wanted to deliver, you know, at least a sort of recognizable version uh, of the song uh, because we really liked the record and we really liked the way we made it. And that's why, you know, we sort of were sitting down and we were like, if we want to play these songs as written, there's really no good way to do that short of adding another member. And, you know, we didn't want to just sort of like lump a bunch of stuff on a computer. And, you know, if if something was played by a human, we were, you know, ideally it should be played by a human on stage. And if something was made with the assistance of technology, it sort of makes more sense to use that technology to duplicate it. Um, but in the case of, you know, all these bass lines, there are all these sort of like blinky bass parts that either Andy or I played on this record that uh, we just didn't feel right uh, disposing with. So it allows us to play songs the way that we originally conceived them and also leaves room in the future for reinterpretation down the road as we see fit. That's exciting to have just in your arsenal like that. Absolutely, yeah. I read, I think I read anyway, that you possibly use up to 30 alternate tunings at this point. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot. Not necessarily, I mean, I have to sort of whittle down the songs that we can play live based on tunings that are similar enough that I can pull it off. Um, And honestly, uh, I always like being asked about this because I feel like one of the unsung, unseen victories of of a successful Wyoke set is always the sort of delicate ballet of guitar tuning that I'm pulling off. And it's very choreographed because it has to be. But at this point, we're able to do a pretty pretty seamless set with only two guitars to sort of work, work with. So... That's something that not a lot of people know, notice. Ideally, if I'm doing it well, nobody notices it. <laughs> um, 
but if I'm doing it poorly, everybody knows it. So. <laughs> well, you know, you could get to the point eventually where, who is it, like uh, The Edge from U2, he's got the guy that stands right below him on the see-through stage uh, <laughs> and pushes all of his pedals for him because he's got so many things going on like that. You could get to that point, you know, to someone. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's absolutely never going to happen for us, and I'm <laughs> totally okay with that yeah. i would not i would not hold your breath that we're going to be able to afford seeing as uh we're touring in the same 15 passenger van that we have been for 10 years i'm going to go out on a limb and say i'm not going to get a pedal pushing guy anytime soon but uh that's cool though yeah now, now for, for real though you know having that many though kind of working with even you know just back at home is that all by memory or are you a really great note taker um, I have to keep notes now. I didn't use to keep notes. Um, it sort of spiraled a little bit out of control in the past few years just because, I don't know, I mean, that's one of the things that's the most wonderful and, and in, in endlessly inspiring about the guitar as an instrument for me is the fact that it is sort of endlessly malleable and tweakable. I mean, there are just so many different combinations of things that you can do with it. And it's, it's, it's flexible in such a way that, um, you know, it allows me to continue to get songs out of it that I think would otherwise be very difficult if it was more fixed. It's an integral part to the creative process, and such as such, it kind of has to be incorporated into the live set to a degree, but there are some songs where it's just like, well, this one's so far out of any of the other songs that we're playing that either I'm going to have to bring a separate guitar just for this one song, or I'm going to have to tune for you know two and a half minutes. So it does def- definitely come into... I mean, it's, it's not something I'm willing to limit because there is so much inspiration that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that I, it's, I, we definitely have to work around uh, in the live show. And, and, you know, maybe one day I'll have a guitar check and it won't be as much of an issue. But, um, but mm-hmm. I'm not, again, I'm not holding my breath on that one either. <laughs> well, I'll flip it to the other side of songs with the lyrics. And, you know, we were talking about dynamics a minute ago, uh, which, you know, when you're in a band, that's, that's really interesting and it's a nice balance. Uh, from the critical side, you know, I mean, journalists, we're always looking for the hook and many time that rests on the story of the uh, of the album, on the lyrics. And I guess I'm, I'm almost sort of asking, you know, I guess you'd be speaking for Andy with this. But when it comes to l- the lyrical part of this, is this your story that he kind of signs off on? Well, I mean, as, because I am the one writing the lyrics, it is a little bit inherently a little bit more personal for me. But I would be reluctant to say that the songs are necessarily like fully autobiographical. I think I think of songs as sort of having a life or sort of telling a story unto themselves. And there are things about my songs that are inspired by my experiences. What I'm ultimately trying to do is make something that is both personal but also more universal. It's sort of dealing with the underlying feelings and reactions to specific events, not necessarily events like the, the things that inspired them for me are not as important as sort of trying to capture a feeling that is, is something that everyone experiences for different reasons at different times of their life so i don't really feel like i'm not the kind of songwriter where it where it is super autobiographical and literal and it's very important that it's my story because i feel like that's that's not necessarily the kind of song that i'm trying to make does that make sense I yeah don't know what I mean. no it makes total sense i mean uh, you know you hear a lot of songwriters talk about that wanting to be universal, and, and usually that means they sort of go too bland when they go universal. And 
it's a it's an interesting trick and i'll give you the compliments you know for your songwriting because you sort of talk about specific moments that are relatable you know they could be one person's specific incident but everyone can relate to it and that's not an easy trick to pull off well thank you i mean i feel like those sort of specific things that you drop in that are clearly very specific almost explicitly like explicitly specific to my experience people might not necessarily know what they mean but it's almost like this little kernel of just like this is true to me for this reason and you might not necessarily know what i'm talking about but you can tell the fact that this is in there means that it sort of grounds it in a kind of reality and there's also this sort of mystery to it too i feel like a lot of my favorite songs have these references that you know i can i can sort of relate to the bigger picture and then the sort of like kernels of specificity that people are sort of dropping in provide this sort of endless sense of mystery and, and wondering of like what the actual little or circumstances were for that person but not knowing that actually kind of adds to the mystique of the song it sort of it makes me feel more connected to it even though it kind of removes it from my experience if that makes sense well it might be the wrong time then to ask about specific songs as i brush away some ah. of the mystery here but um, there's two of them I would like to bring up, uh, two of my favorites on here, and, and I'll start with It Was Not Natural. You know, I, I haven't found my own deconstruction of this song yet, and, and I don't think it's a politically reflective song, but there is plenty in it that does make me think that, uh, and, and that's probably our day and age that we're in, you know, where that seems to be reflected in everything, but there's something about that, you know, where, where I feel like the, thing ha- the things happening right now are very much not natural. Sure. I mean, I think uh, it was inspired by a lot of very specific things in my life, but I was trying, I guess what I was trying to capture with that one specifically was to sort of divide the chasm between what is in our nature as human beings, as, as animals of a sort, and the sort of structures that we've built for ourselves to sort of make sense of our lives and provide some sense of meaning and, uh, and you know, also to control, to control and to restrict our behavior in a way that the world can function. But in a lot of ways, a lot of those structures that we've created are directly antithetical to our nature as animals or as human beings. And I think if you're a certain kind of person that tends to think deeply and, and questions uh, that are presented to you as unequivocal facts, then it's inevitable that you're going to find yourself in a position where everything is sort of up to be questioned. And all of the uh, sort of rules that we use to structure our lives start to feel more and more meaningless, which is terrifying in a way. But if you think of it in the right sense, it's actually very freeing. It's a very beautiful thing, but it's also difficult to let go of those things because it is... You know, you know, to give an example of, say, uh, someone who is religious has a sense of security in their belief in an afterlife that someone who is a-religious does not necessarily have. And, you know, there's a there's terror to sort of embracing the unknown in that situation. Or another example of someone who is, is very much in love and wants to believe that they will be with their partner for the rest of their lives, forever and ever until they die. Um, but for any number of reasons. Uh, that could prove to not be the case. You know, anyone can sort of be taken from your life at any time. Um, and so I guess this is a long-winded way of saying that it's 
this whole song was just sort of using, using like the, the metaphor of like a walk, an actual like moving through the world and just sort of examining all of the things that in your past and trying to figure out how to make them make sense when they are ultimately, if you think a certain way, somewhat meaningless. Well, I'll, I'll ask about another one then. And, and I don't, this isn't really a question per se. Um, you of all people. That's, yeah, you picked my, my favorite. Well, Thank you. Yeah, that's not a phrase that's usually meant for anything positive when you direct that at someone. <laughs> like the yeah. way you say that, you of all people. I mean, that's, there's, to me, there's usually only one way of hearing that. Well, I love, I love that phrase. I, sort of, I was playing with that because it's true that it, that it is something that is generally you know, kind of hurled as an insult. Um, but I think what I was actually referencing with that phrase is the separation between myself, which is, I guess, the you that I'm thinking of in that line, and everyone, and sort of, like, thinking of myself as separate, but also, you know, really being a part of a whole. And that stands for me, but it also is sort of, like, a reference to the fact that we all have these, I mean, there are, there are these, like, whole universes of consciousness that exist in every single individual human being. And then when you think about humanity in mass, like, I feel like I love individual people. I love to meet people and understand them and talk to them and, and get to know what they're thinking and what they're like. But humanity in mass is just a fucking cancer. It's a scourge on the planet. And um, we treat each other terribly. Uh, we, as a species, uh, are just destructive and cruel and selfish. And so I think it was sort of more of a reference to how strange it is that, like, uh, an individual human being can be full of so much good and so much, like, love and, and truth and care. And then uh, I'll also say that that song features maybe, at this point, if you ask me, perhaps uh, my favorite uh, few lines that I've ever written in my life. So I, I enjoy singing that one uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I think it's, it contains one of the best verses I've, I feel like I've, I've pulled off. Oh, it's a fantastic song, and... Uh... And a, and a fantastic record, uh, really. The louder I call, the faster it runs. Uh, I think it is maybe the best thing that you guys have done, and, and I've been a fan for a long time. So um, Thank you. That's, yeah. what, that's what we think, too, so it's really nice when uh, people agree with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank Jen, you. thank you so much for calling in again. We'll see Why Oak uh, this Saturday, May 26th at Zanzibar. It's going to be great to have you all here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be in party mode for sure, and we're looking forward to it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for the call, and we'll see you then. Absolutely. Thanks for talking to us. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Jen Wasner of Oak discussing the record, The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. And now moving on to part three of our trio episode. The band Middle Kids finally got around to releasing their debut record last year after a single that really caught the world's attention. I gave Hannah Joy a call to talk about that record. It's called Lost Friends. We get into what that title exactly means, how the sound of the record ties into some 90s nostalgia, and picking up Will Arnett as a fan. It's Kyle Meredith with Middle Kids. Hey, Kyle. How are you? First off, I've become such a fan in the past uh, year, learning about uh, learning about Middle Kids and, and these songs. You all write such great music. Uh, thank you for bringing it to the world. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's a little bit funny. So the debut LP is coming out, and and I thought it, it's it, you're in that point where it's almost you know funny calling it a debut because the EP. Uh, last year, you know, that had six songs on it. That's that's mm-hmm. a nice introduction there. But does this still feel like the beginning, or is this like no? It's the next thing. Um, that's a good point. I think that 
we feel like it's the beginning in that. Um, we've loved being able to make an LP because it's got more space for more moments because the EP's up for pretty condensed. We were just like, let's shove all this stuff in there. But with it, I think the LP feels like a nice, fully rounded body of work. So in that way, it feels kind of like a little bit of a beginning. But you're right. And like there is a, it's, it's a bit of an extension of the EP. So two songs from the EP, Edge of Town and Never Started on the album, and then 10 songs are all new. But it definitely feels like our first big body of work. That's a, still a lot right at once. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many songs you had written for this whole thing, but it feels like, what is that, like maybe 20 songs that you've got to just pump out. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting way to do it, uh, the EP and the quick follow-up like that. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it was cool. The EP kind of, funnily enough, like inspired us. Like the energy and the flow from the EP was just, like I was just so excited by what we were making that I was just writing so much when we were touring the EP. So just, yeah, I mean, it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of kept flowing on. Well, I got to say, Mistake is one of the best singles of 2018 so far. It is so damn catchy, and it feels so big, which a lot of bands, they go mm. for big, but they, they lose the soul in it, and, and this seems to have it. I, I'd love to hear the story behind Mistake. I sent it around, that kind of grungy guitar sound. That's kind of the first thing I made when I made that, and I really wanted it to be quite nostalgic. Like, when I think about some of my big favorite songs when I was 14 or 15, you know, it's funny. I was actually watching a lot of like old '90s TV when I wrote that song, so I was like really trying to harken back to kind of my teenage self, probably. And then I think you know the chorus really wanting to was really about that letting go. It's like a big release, and I think the music really matches that in a cool way because the whole song's about trying to let go of you know the things that kind of haunt us or we feel ashamed of, and that finding that freedom of just like moving on. Look at some of the other themes on the record too. The uh universal uniters of, of hope and love that you've written about you, mm. you know your mind space you're talking about musically and especially you know, like watching some 90s tvs were you trying to go in for anything thematically uh, on that side of things i would i don't even know if it was intentional but you know when i look at the album now it's so clear that there are really strong themes of loss but then also like yeah hope for growth and healing i think that's a big thing in the album is like it's the experience of life in all of its like bits you know it's, it can be painful but it's also really beautiful so it's like i think the whole album is a grapple with how do we like hold on to the beauty of life in amongst all the pain and confusion i heard the, the song on my knees which is um i don't know that's a pretty direct song right yeah that's kind of cool i feel like yeah maybe it is i think it's like that's definitely yeah maybe a very the whole song is about kind of when life brings you to your knees but then how you can get an interesting and important perspective and kind of a reacclimation with reality from that. Well, I know you guys have done a lot in a little bit of time. You've already got Will Arnett as a fan, I, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a legend. Yeah. I mean, things are starting to happen. Have you had any uh, celebrity encounters to speak of so far? I mean, nothing really beyond a few tweets or posts here and there. But I mean, and then also we've just been able to tour with some of like our all-time favorite bands which has been like you know absolutely incredible so that's been pretty exciting i, I mean it's it, like it feels like it's all happening and i mean heck you're probably the 15th australian artist i feel like that i've talked to in the past year or two years right now does it feel like a movement is happening with australia because it certainly feels like it from this side well i think something 
that has been really awesome for Australians is streaming because, you know, of these playlists that get made. And often I think it's an, a great way for Australian music to be able to be heard in different places. So I think that it is a really exciting time for Australians because we are very much influenced by, you know, American and European music but we also have something that's a little bit different just because of where we are geographically and yeah it's kind of a cool time I think we, there's a lot of great music coming out of Australia I mean it's I, I'm not saying I play completely to the uh, to the press game on that one but it feels like anytime someone says and they're from Australia I suddenly go and it's probably going to be good because that's <laughs> the era that we're in so. yeah so cool uh, I did want to uh, on the on the end here bring up that uh, that title too because Lost Friends feels like one of those titles that could say a lot. It could say multiple things at once. Lost Friends becomes even more so when you're touring. Uh, when we're growing up, uh, you know, it seems that we mm-hmm. we lose them. Uh, but I also saw it as that flip side, like you know, some of our friends are just lost people. Yeah, totally. I mean, both. I mean, also like at times we feel like ourselves are lost friends or lost people, you know, and. So I think that like it's it's definitely a mourning of yeah the loss of friendships that you see in life but then also I think it's also showing and that friends are so important to us and so it's a celebration of friendship too I think in that like just kind of honoring how everybody wants friends. <laughs> Well, you're bringing people together with music. I certainly do believe that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'll let you go. Uh, I know you got to get to it. It was a pleasure talking to you, though. I really, really enjoy this music, and uh, we'll hope to see you around these parts at some point. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks. See you, mate. And a big thanks to Hannah Joy of the band Middle Kids talking about the record Lost Friends. And once again, thanks to uh, Jen Wasner of Y Oak from The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. And Francis Quinlan and Hop Along in that record, Bark Your Head Off, Dog. And hey, and, and you too, especially if you're hitting that subscribe button right now. Again, uh, you can subscribe on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast Podchaser, really wherever you're listening from right now. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Head to consequenceofsound.net for all your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.